The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the commentary booth where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator Jamie Apps and each week I'll be joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by an aircon estimator who lists their favourite movie as A Nightmare on Elm Street and favourite TV show as Golden Girls. Welcome to the show, Karina Maybe. Hello, I'm back, watch out. How's everything? Spooky season's officially over, except for our episode today. Uh, spooky season will never be over. I don't care how much you try to push that on me. It's uh, everyday spooky day. It's Christmas season now. Haven't you been to the shops? I don't want to talk about it. They had Christmas trees up like at the end of August because that's how we roll at Walmart. <laughs> that's how stores roll everywhere. I mean, it's true. Like, we're going to get to almost Christmas and they're going to have Valentine's and St. Patrick's Day crap up over here. Mm, yep. And then Easter stuff. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like, there is no holidays, like, waiting for holidays. It's just, we're going to smush it at you. Yeah, I think, like, we hit, we have Christmas and then, like, a week later they've got hot cross buns in the stores. And it's like, Jesus, come on, let's let's settle down. We don't need Easter food before New Year. It's true. And the thing that sucks is, like, my birthday is right near Thanksgiving, and it always gets overlooked. And I go, but that's, like, the best holiday for us because we get to eat the fuck out of stuff. <laughs> like, give me all the food. <laughs> and they're just like, nap straight to Christmas. <laughs> Classic American thinking. More food, please. You know. Yeah, well, whatever. I gorge myself at the end of the year, and then I'll starve myself the rest of the year. It'll be great. Terrible. Whatever. <laughs> so, like I mentioned... This week, we're getting in one last spooky episode for 2022 as we review Barbarian and Guillermo del Toro's new Netflix series, Cabinet of Curiosities. Kicking things off with Barbarian, 2022 horror film written and directed by Zach Krieger. The movie follows a young woman who finds out her Airbnb has been basically double booked with her and another random guy and then they both later find out that there's a dark hidden secret within the house what did you think of this movie i loved this movie it was not what i expected it to be that the trailers weren't like very uh giving as far as the storyline is concerned i feel like they kind of misled you on it um there wasn't really a whole lot in the trailers either it was kind of just like snippets here and there which was fun because lately all the movies have had their best bits and trailers but yeah, I loved it. It was a fun ride, and for a newer horror movie, it didn't disappoint. Yeah, great, great, like, new IP as a horror movie. And like I said, yeah, I think the trailer did a good job of setting kind of a tone for what the movie is, like this dark, creepy house, but without sort of saying, it's this type of monster movie or it's this type of movie. Like, it just set a tone without telling you what the movie was, which is I think what a trailer should do. True. Yes. Very true. And I like that because, yeah, lately it's been kind of a, a hit or miss with horror movies this year. 
Um, we're not going to talk about Halloween ends because, you know, we don't believe that exists. <laughs> yeah, I think I already shit on that one enough. Yeah, that movie doesn't exist in my realm. So this was a nice breath of fresh air for the horror scene. It's kind of like the way that I, I appreciated Smile because it was kind of like an original idea. And it wasn't just rinse and repeat, which I appreciate because so many people have either just rebooted old movies because they don't have a original idea or they've done things very similar to it. So I like the fact that this was a more of an original storyline. Yeah, the um, the original horror movies this year have been great. Like, what do we get? We've got Smile, Barbarian. I mean, Black Phone, I guess, wasn't really a horror movie, but it was still like a thriller. Oh yeah, the black phone. Yeah. So yeah, there's been there's been a few good ones that came out of nowhere and set a nice tone for possibly more sequels. Like I can see Smile continuing indefinitely. I think this Barbarian has potential to continue again as well. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting to see where they can take it if they decide to take it any further because it was a pretty decent film and I'd like to know more about the backstory of different things and how they got to that level. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then in terms of the cast, like there was a couple of big names, Bill Skarsgård as the the man that double booked the Airbnb and Justin Long as the owner of the house. But I think the rest of the cast is essentially relative unknowns. We had Georgina Campbell as sort of the main focus of the movie, the, the woman Tess, and then Richard Brake as Frank and who's the, the father and then, strangely, the mother, like the big monster character, was played by a man. Oh, really? Matthew Patrick Davis. Oh, that's interesting. I think they probably just wanted the, the size difference between the characters. Yeah, because that, that in the movie, it's massive. Like, absolutely, insanely massive. <laughs> I felt like I was watching, um, I'm going to get nerd for a second, but I, it was like watching Attack on Titan. And just, like, live-action film where, like, they have titans with, like, little people. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it reminded me of. I guess it's a bit of a spoiler. I loved, like, the, the random twist that we get where it opens up with Tess and Keith sort of being really apprehensive of each other because they're in this house together mm-hmm. without ever knowing each other beforehand. And you, you kind of think it might go down some sort of violent path or sexual assault type path yeah. with those two. I kept giving off really creepy vibes. But that's not what actually happens. Right. It was really strange, but I, I loved it. Um, and that's what kept me like intrigued with it was the fact that it didn't go the way that we expected it to go at all. Yeah, like that opening, what, 15, 20 odd minutes where it's basically just them like being really apprehensive and cautious about each other because they're in this unknown house with this other unknown person and it's kind of like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to like be really cautious. I'm not going to drink a random drink that I haven't seen be made. I'm going to like try and find out yeah. more info about who this person actually is. And I totally understand why they were apprehensive in that situation. But yeah, it turns out that was actually the, the one person that you could trust and we need to band together to fight off this other entity that's in this house that we didn't know about. Yeah, no, it was very interesting, especially I think it kind of uh, touches base on the world today and how everybody needs to be like so cautious about, you know, who they're around or who they trust and stuff like that. So she was constantly looking for like red flags necessarily. Like, so it was really interesting to see um, how that actually ended up backfiring to be so cautious <laughs> on on her part. <laughs> like, you never know at that point. Mm-hmm. 
what did you think of the moment where she discovers the the tunnel under the house in the basement and the the hidden room this whole time in this entire movie i go don't go down there don't do that you don't want to do that like why would you do that it's all dark in there she makes the classic horror movie mistake yeah like i have a baby flashlight on my phone it'll be fine not oh let me you know get a normal lantern or something or better yet let me just forget it's there and leave yeah let me just shut that door and i'm not gonna go in there i'm gonna leave move on yeah if like if, if i'm in an airbnb and then i go down to a basement and i find a random hole in the wall i'm definitely not going in it like absolutely not i will march my ass right out of there and find the next hotel down and then like when she finds that it continues that idea of oh no we're in some sort of rape sexual assault like potential here where she finds that room with the camera and you're like oh no mm-hmm. the guy was actually he's actually bad like we need to be cautious of him even more yeah nope no wasn't, wasn't him he was in the tunnel being brutally assaulted yeah it was crazy to me i was just it was such a, a shocking kind of thing because, you know, you expect that, oh, yeah, it's definitely a setup now. We all know what's going on and it's just totally not that. And then I think you noticed as well, the uh, the house should have been a dead giveaway that something is sus about this house. Yeah, like the entire neighborhood is run down, but like this is the only nice looking house in the entire fucking town. And then when she goes for her like job interview, they even make, that lady makes a comment like, oh, you're staying there? You should be careful or leave and just completely over her head. Yeah, like it's clearly like kind of the skid row area of Detroit where just all the homeless people go to, to congregate and squat in random abandoned houses and then there's this one house that has no graffiti on it, a nice, relatively nice lawn and it's just like the weird oasis in this suburb of just trash. Yeah, it's like a version of Stepford. <laughs> I don't know, it was crazy. Like you said, that when she goes for that interview and they mention, oh, why are you staying there? It's kind of like, does everybody know like the weird story about this house? Yeah, it's very odd. Does everybody in Detroit know that something bad happened in this house and nobody else knows? Like it never got out of Detroit? Yeah, it's very strange. The And like the fact that she doesn't even question it when clearly everybody kind of seems concerned about her staying there. She just goes, oh, no, it's fine. It was cheap. Whatever. Cheap Airbnb, not always the smartest choice. Yeah, no. <laughs> and what was crazy too is um, everyone that I talked to about this film and I told them who was in this movie, they go, oh, Bill Skarsgård, he long is in it. He's got to be like the hero of the day, right? And I'm like, just watch it. <laughs> just watch. Yeah, big, big twist. Like that moment where we get the shift over to Justin's character, AJ Gilbride, mm-hmm. the actor who's basically been accused of raping his co-star on a TV show that he's filming and is then forced to, like, go back to the house in Detroit that we learn that he owns to, like, sell it to try and mount some sort of legal defense. But that guy definitely did what he was accused of and he definitely deserved everything he gets in this movie. Yeah, it's so crazy because I love Justin Long and he always plays, you know, the nice guy next door or whatever. And in this movie, I absolutely hated him so much. And I was so happy when the ending happened and he he got exactly what he deserved because it was a long time coming in the entire movie. I go, when is he going to die? Please kill him now. And he just gets worse and worse as the movie goes on as well. Like, you're like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's a sleaze, but. Okay, he might not 
deep down he might not be that bad, but then he's just like brushing off a phone call with his mom and just being a jerk to everyone around him and essentially admits to his friend at the bar that, yeah, he forced himself on his co-star, but it's fine. Yeah. And then when he goes to the house, he finally finds Tess. He basically throws her to the wolves and just is all about himself all the time. You're like, I want you to get brutally curb stomped. Yeah. Like there was a moment where I thought he had a little bit of humanity in him when he was like, oh, we got to find a way to get out of here. I go, oh, right. He's turning around. This is great. You know, good for him. And then it was, it was just like, oh, nope, never mind. That went out the window. You're still an asshole. <laughs> yep. Another like super gross and disturbing moment was when he was in the, the tunnels with Tess. They're in like that basically trap hole with the grate over the top. Yeah. And then the mother feeds him the bottle with like all the <sighs> hair on the, yeah. the teat of the bottle. It's like, oh, that's so gross. Oh, it was uh, between that and then when she actually tries to like attach him to her boob. I'm like, oh, this is nasty. Like, oh, please not. No, please don't do that. I read a fun fact about that scene too when they were filming. When the bottle was handed to him the first time. In the script, there were there wasn't supposed to be the hair on the the top of the bottle, Ugh. but like a hair fell out of the the wig <laughs> of the monster character, and it was sitting on the the teat. So then they filmed that that shot, and then they redid it, but they stuck on extra pieces of hair to make it even more disgusting. Oh god, it was a great add on. Like so, I was like, oh, yeah, well done. Happy mistake. Definitely made me feel uncomfortable and gross. Oh, yeah, it was gnarly. Like, I, didn't, I didn't think that movie was going to have those kind of moments, but it did. And when they finally sort of get out of the tunnels, they finally get out of the house, which was interesting. I never expected them to actually escape. The cops are just like, eh. That big deal. You must just be on drugs. Yeah. Maybe investigate a little bit first. Don't just be like, nah, you're in a crap part of town. You're definitely a drug addict. Yeah, the cops are so like nonchalant about the whole damn thing. And I go... Oh, okay. That that makes sense. You know, whatever. <laughs> no big deal. Top-notch cops in Detroit, apparently. Yeah, they have bigger fish to fry. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about the the rundown areas of the world. We'll just go find other things. And then, like, I think the last part is this movie is kind of split into not quite thirds, but like maybe quarters because we go we start off with Tess and Keith in the house at the Airbnb for that first little portion. Then we shift over to Justin Long's character, AJ, and him coming back to the house and then his experiences in the house. Uh, and then we get that time shift back to, like, the early 80s. Yeah. With uh, Frank and basically explaining what the hell is happening in this essentially sex dungeon under the house. Yeah, and how gross of a person he is. Like, ugh. And then it shifts forward to present time. Shifts back to present as they're trying to wrap it all up, but that flashback to the eighties, oh, oh my god, that that's when it gets like really intense. You're like, yeah, this whole situation is very, very messed up. Yeah, it was a very like sick and twisted uh, backstory, and then uh, you know, af if they hadn't added that in, you would have just thought the the creature was this horrible person or thing but in reality i almost kind of felt sad for it because mm -hmm. no it never asked to be put into that situation it was born into that situation um and didn't know any better 
Yeah, I think that's what makes this movie so cool. It isn't like some weird supernatural monster. Like they give like an explanation for why the mother is the way it is. It's basically, this is a massive spoiler. So if you haven't watched the movie, stop now. So basically the, the mother is a woman that was kidnapped by Frank, held in the, the little room that Tess first discovers with the bed and the camera, uh, raped over and over again whilst being recorded. And then all of her children are then raised by Frank. And from what I could gather, the cycle continued with them as well. Yeah. it was. So then it just gets on and on and on and the mother I'm not sure if the mother was the woman that was originally kidnapped or if the mother was, like, one of the subsequent children. Yeah, because she's kind of like a victim at that point. From what I could gather, it was probably one of multiple steps of children down because it, they like it's deformed and, like, kind of mm-hmm. the product of inbreeding and incest, I guess. Yeah, it's really sad, but then you see a lot of, a lot of emotion coming out of that character, too. Like... You don't think that that kind of a character would have emotion just because they're, they've never been exposed to it, but really they do, like, it does have a, a strong emotion towards other people. Yeah, like, it, it just wants to, like, protect its children, I guess, and it, it views Tess and AJ as, or definitely Tess, maybe not so much AJ because he doesn't accept and play along with the game. And Yeah, I'm glad he died. Spoiler alert, I'm glad he died. <laughs> And, and in a nice, like, brutal fashion, too, with... It was beautiful. I... Just thumbs through the eyes, like, sucked in. It was kind of like that Game of Thrones moment where Joffrey died, and I was just like, yeah, he's fucking dead. And that was that moment for me in this movie. I was like, fuck yeah, they finally got him. <laughs> and like I mentioned, like, he just gets worse and worse when they finally do escape. We learn this whole backstory from the homeless man that they go and hide with, who also gets killed in a brutal way. And then they run up to the the top of this water tower. And then AJ, in one last moment of I'm a douche, (laughs) just pushes Tessa off the thing and just like, oh, well. I could not believe that. Not that it helps him. Yeah, no, I was really like, holy crap, I can't believe that he was just, he's at the end of his rope pretty much. You know, you're about to get out. Why be an asshole? But nope. (laughs) And then that was like one little part that... I think broke the immersion as well when Tess falls off she would already be like a third of the way down and then the mm-hmm. mother jumps after and is somehow ends up underneath Tess and they land and neither of them die yeah it was kind of uh, it was a little bit far-fetched <laughs> even like really badly injured like I think Tess might have a busted ankle or something and that's about it yeah man I wish I could get out of falls like that was just a messed up ankle crap but yeah I liked seeing Tess like have that she's torn at the end as well like I know this monster has to die but like you said she feels sorry for it now that she knows Mm -hmm. what is going on here and kind of kills the monster but yeah definitely isn't happy to do so and now it's kind of like a mercy killing almost I guess you know like which is kind of sad but at the same time yeah it was no life totally the craziest part of this movie is the budget and how much money it has already made. So I would be shocked if we don't get another Barbarian 2, whether it's like one of the other children or something, maybe in a different house. But mm-hmm. yeah, it cost them $4.5 million to make. And so far they've made $43.4 million. Oh, damn. 
That's crazy. So yeah, nice 10 times return. That's insane. And it's crazy to me to think that because it's not a movie that a lot of people are talking about. Um, every time I mention it, people are like, I don't even know what that is. And I was fortunate enough to watch it on HBO. So I think that, you know, it'll gain more popularity if people are just browsing their streaming services, probably. But it's just so strange that no one really was talking about this movie at the theaters for the most part, at least not over here that I've known of. Yeah, I heard a few people talking about it. But I think, yeah, that's the issue with these all of these new horror IP that came out this year. Like They've all been fantastic, but a lot of people aren't willing to sort of go to the movie on it, go to the cinemas on a, like, let's see this new thing and hope it's great. Like most people mm-hmm. with the the cost of going to the cinema these days, they're like, I want to go to something I know is going to be a big blockbuster. Yeah. I'm going to have a great time and get good value for money. I'm not going to go and see this new thing that might end up feeling like I wasted twenty, thirty dollars yeah it's great and I'm almost spoiled like that too I never thought I would be like that because I used to go to the movies all the time I was really on point with certain movies but now with all the different streaming services I go oh well that's coming to HBO I don't have to watch that oh that's gonna be on Peacock I don't need that either like I don't have to pay for any of these so it kind of sucks I guess for for that stand but at least it's still getting seen and things like that um I just don't think it's the way that they expected them to get viewed probably yeah, and I think with especially over there where you guys are getting them quite quickly after the cinema runs, like we got Barbarian late in the cinemas, like it was already on HBO for you mm-hmm. and had only just gone to the cinemas here. So it's it's still going to be a little while before it hits a streaming service here in Australia. But yeah, I think once all these horror movies start hitting the streaming services, a lot more people will be like, I'm willing to check that out on a Friday or a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Chuck it on, see if it's any good. And then once that starts happening, I think a lot of people are going to start talking a lot about the Black Phone, Smile, Barbarian. Yeah. Maybe not Halloween Ends. They can toss that one away. Yeah, Halloween Ends doesn't need to be spoken about. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never, yeah, no. I don't think I'll ever forgive them for that. (laughs) Topic number two, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, Netflix horror anthology series. With eight episodes, two of which were co-written by Del Toro, the others are all written by various other filmmakers, which are then introduced by Del Toro at the start of every episode, premiered on Netflix October 25th. Overall, what were your thoughts on this one before we dive into sort of each episode? Um, I like the series. I thought it was a, a different kind of series, um, one that Netflix really hasn't taken on yet, uh, so I appreciated that. And um, Del Toro is an amazing director and writer. Um, I love him. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed, I knew I was hooked into this, sh- this series just from the opening credit scene. You know, when he has like the cabinet and then it, it kind of like unfolds almost, you know, like a, a little dollhouse or something. It was really fun um, introduction. And there were some hits and there were some misses for this show for me. Um, but the ones that I really enjoyed, they they were great. Um I think there might have been like only three episodes out of the eight that I didn't really like. So I'll take that five out of five out of eight being great. Yeah, I think I was the same. Like it was super hit or miss. Like the, the episodes that hit, I thought were absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But that happened way less often than I had hoped when I first sort of saw the series get announced. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying to aim for like Black Mirror levels with this show, but instead of being like, 
modern future tech focused. They went like back in time to like gothic yeah, horror type stories. And yeah, like I said, some of them hit and were fantastic. And then for me, there was a lot more that I was just like, eh, whatever. Like it was okay, but not great. And then there was about, yeah, three that I was like, this is trash. Why did this make the cut? Oh my God. I think we we both hate the same three episodes too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because well, the rats episode, which I think it's episode two, is absolutely terrible. I even told you I had I struggled to actually stay awake during that episode. I fell asleep twice watching it. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely terrible. Which is not good on episode two. Like that could easily see a lot of people just drop off after two. Yeah, which is really it's rough because there are like the episode after that was pretty good. And so it kind of sucks that it went back and forth, back and forth with quality. But I guess it depends on whoever really wrote the story that it's based off of and their imagination. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it closes with, I think, the best episode is the last one. It's like, why is this one the, the last episode? Like, I can see a lot of people not making it to the be- the best episode of the season. I don't think the last episode's the best episode. But you're entitled to your wrong opinion. <laughs> My opinion is always right. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the autopsy episode is probably probably my the best one. Oh, yeah, the autopsy is a close second for me. Nah, it's better than birds. Sorry. So we'll break down each episode. Episode one, lot 36, where an ex-army vet buys a storage locker to basically sell the contents, basically like Storage Wars inspired story. And turns out that it's, that was owned by some strange old man and has like this weird monster inside yeah like a satanic kind of moment like where there's somebody in like a demon thing yep i liked it it was it was a fun idea yeah i thought it was one of the stronger episodes <laughs> yeah absolutely um i liked i liked the concept of it it was fun um i feel like the guy kind of had it coming because he was such a jerk to you know the original oh, owner yeah. of the storage unit i looked at the, the imdb ratings for all of the episodes and yeah, this was one of the, the better rated ones with a 6.7. Not too bad. I think that's about right. Yeah. 6.77-ish. I feel like it was a strong start. And then the next one weirdly got a higher rating on IMDb. Got a 6.9, but did not like this one at all. The Basically the, the rats and the grave robber who gets taken into the tunnels and there's a giant rat in the tunnel. Like, what the hell is going on in here? Yeah, it was really rough. The only positive I have about this episode was the prosthetic animatronic rats. Looked great, but yeah, the story was just terrible. Oh, it was all over the place. It was absolutely crazy. And I I couldn't follow it right at first. And then I just was like, wow, this is really boring. Unfortunately, I I just got really bored with it. And then I started to doze off and I go, oh, no, I'll I'll watch it tomorrow. And then the next day came and I go, oh, God, I've got to watch the rest of this crap. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, like we said, like having that as episode two, like, oh. I could see so, so many people just getting through that and being like, I don't need to watch the rest of these because the first one was eh, second one was crap. Yeah. I'm done. Yep, definitely uh, could have. But then we get episode three, The Autopsy, which has an IMDb rating of eight. So like in your opinion, the strongest, highest rating of the season. And this one is basically... A sheriff is investigating a, a dead body and a like a mine collapse, and then it turns out that there's this weird alien inside 
one of the people that is just like killing people and being a parasite basically and like taking over people. Yeah, I really liked it. It, it was fun. Um, it kind of reminded me of Invasion of the Body Snatchers almost or on, along those lines of that kind of moment. So I, I thought it was fun. Um, I really liked how the the sheriff actually had like a conversation with the parasite um, and outsmarted it kind of. And it was just, it, it was taken back, you know, how, how could you have done that to me? How could you have outsmarted me? Yeah, I loved the, the way that he outsmarted it too when it, mm-hmm. it reveals that they've apparently evolved to not need their own eyes and ears because they just take over a host and use their their eyes and ears and organs and stuff. So just as the, the parasite's about to take him over, he slits his own throat, stabs out his own eyes and ears, and mm-hmm. the parasite takes over and he's like, I can't see or hear anything. What the hell is going on? Yeah. And then the whole time he's recording the interaction yeah it was a rough watch like that scene like where he had to do all those things I, it was just oof. I could not I had to like turn away I go oh my gosh I can't believe that actually happened but it was really well done um it definitely gave me like that factor but yeah like I said this is one of my favorite episodes um I think it was one of the strongest ones and it was just really fun and well done <laughs> especially when it was essentially for the majority of the episode just two people in an autopsy room. Like it's just the doctor and the parasite talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was very like quiet and like no real background noises or anything like that. It was just him recording. And so I can't, that kind of gave it like even a more eerie feeling because you have like all the dead bodies on the slabs. But, you know, one randomly just is like, hey, how's it going? I thought all the bits outside the the morgue were a bit weird, like with the the bomb and the how we got to this point where there's all these bodies in the morgue. But yeah, once it gets into the morgue and we get that back and forth between the two characters, like, okay, now you get me. Now I'm sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was, it took a while, but I'm glad that they executed it the way that they did. I, I think it ended up really working well in the favor of them. Uh, and then we went to another episode that was a massive miss. The outside, it's basically about this girl who wants to try and fit in with all the people that she all the other women that she works with at the bank so she buys this crazy skin lotion that basically gives her like this massive allergic reaction but is actually transforming her into a more attractive better version of herself some weird thing (laughs) this one stars kate mccucci from she's from the big bang theory that that's where i've seen her before but yeah, this one got an IMDb rating of 6.2, which is too high. From the rankings, is the second lowest. Wasn't even the lowest. Oh, well, that's too high for it still, because this was terrible. This was very uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> there was very awkward scenarios in it, and I just, ugh. It was it was weird. I was seeing it all the time, man. Like this is, um, I think this this series is losing me, <laughs> like. This is the fourth episode and only one of them has really, like, hit amazingly. Yeah, and I remember messaging you and I go, oh, man, I'm about to start this episode. And we had just gotten through talking about the rats and I was like, wow, that was really bad. And you go, oh, nope, it gets worse, trust me. And I go, wait, what? It gets worse than rats? And you go, yep. (laughs) And you weren't wrong. And sadly, this isn't the, in my opinion, this isn't the worst episode. And it was one of the worst. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
it was just, it was horrible. It was all over the place. And I just, it made me itch because I, um, I've had allergic reactions before to things and nothing in my head would have ever made me go, oh yeah, I should put more on. It'll, it'll do well for me. Yeah, I should go and have a bath in this cream that is burning my skin. Yeah, I should literally soak in it. <laughs> no, like, there is no no idea in my mind that that's okay. But this girl is just so gun ho to be beautiful and and take care of her what she thinks are her her flaws. So I get that you know like everybody's a little bit vain, so it plays on that whole whole idea, but. Yep, nope, never in a million years where I'd be like itching my whole body and just be, oh yeah, let me go take a bath in that. And the thing I thought was the weirdest, like even after the transformation, she doesn't look all that different. No, not really. The whole basement scene is what really did it for me. I go, oh, nope, I don't know if I can even get through this episode right now. It was just terrible. Uh, where the, the lotion version of herself and they make out weirdly, what, what is going on in this episode? Yeah, it was very odd, like all over the place. And I don't know what was going on in their mind when they when they decided to come up with this idea. But it was it definitely didn't translate to screen very well. And then she stabs her husband in the forehead. Yeah, of all things. With like a pen or something. I was like, what the? He was like super supportive of you, telling you you didn't need to change or anything. And him, the dumbass, pulls it out. Yeah, that too. Like, you're a cop or... Or you should know not to do that. Should I take it out? Uh, probably not. You should go to the hospital. I just, yeah, there was no no thought there at all. Like, oh, I got stabbed in the head. This feels funny. No. <laughs> not a fan of that one. No. The next one, Pickman's model, IMDb rating of 6.6, .6, follows an art student, Will, who meets the introverted Richard, whose terrifying works of art begin to have a disturbing effect on his sense of reality this is another one of those like yeah in the middle like is what it is episodes for me i liked this episode but i also I, I liked it because i called out who was in it and then you didn't realize it and until i called it out so it made me happy that i recognized somebody before you did <laughs> it's like oh is that crispin glover and you go i don't think it is and then you go never mind it is <laughs> i like this one like because yeah, it sort of plays on that idea of art impacting you emotionally. And I was like, yeah, okay. It was interesting, but nothing memorable or I need to go back and rewatch it for like, did I miss something or was it that transformative and cool? I was like, huh. I think you're, I think you're wonky. Cause this was one, this is like my other favorite one probably just because, you know, he like towards the end, he thinks that he actually, you know, won against this guy and, you know, his family is safe. And then the fucking mom cooks the kid. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was pretty gross. I go, oh, damn, she didn't waste any time. She was just like, yep, get in the oven. Hansel and Gretel that. And then episode six, Dreams in the Witch House starring Rupert Grint. This is the episode that had the worst rating on IMDb. 5.8. Really? It wasn't that bad. It was, I thought it was a good storyline. Like, I really enjoyed the story behind it and, and the premise of it. I don't think it was the worst ever, and I really am shocked that it's the lowest. I liked this one until we got the talking rat. Yeah, the rat. I couldn't tell if it was a rat or a monkey at first, because it was very oddly shaped. The weird, weird little animal thing. I was like, if we had just got, like, the witch, mm -hmm. I'd have been like, cool. 
heaps better episode. But then we got the weird talking animal rat thing. I was like, well, now you've lost me. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun episode that I watch. I didn't. I didn't like want to shut it off, and it kept me really interested in it because his drive to kind of because he felt guilt for his sister's disappearance. So I liked that whole bond that they had, where he felt like he had he was responsible for it, so he wanted to find a way to to get her back. Yeah, and then like the explanation of yeah, these three souls were linked, but only two could be alive at the same time. I look. I like that, but yeah, the weird rat monkey thing. I was like, oh, God damn it. You took it too far. I thought it was hilarious too, just because I love um, I love the Alien franchise so much. And when he like popped out of Rupert's chest, I go, oh my God, it's Alien. <laughs> <laughs> but like way back when. I just, yeah, that was, that made me go up and over the edge. I go, oh crap. Yep. You just. And then episode seven. For me, the worst episode of the series, but somehow got a 6.2. This was the worst. Uh, this is one of the most lame episodes ever. Ever. And there wasn't anything good about it. Nothing happens until like the last five minutes. Yeah. Yep. But again, this is another one where I was like, hey, that girl was the mummy. And that was the only thing I knew about it. I go, that was the only memorable thing about this stupid episode is that there's a giant slime rock and the mummy chick is in it. <laughs> and Eric Andre and Peter Waller. Yeah, oh, they're, they're that too, but... I was like, this one has the most stacked cast, mm-hmm. and it is trash. Literally, it... Because they don't do anything, they just sit around and get high and talk. Yeah, and then it reminded me of, like, Nickelodeon Slime Monster. <laughs> it reminded me of at the very end. I go, that's what happened, that's what came out of it? You built this whole thing up and that... I'm glad this one was buried towards the end, but maybe we could have just trashed it. But I imagine with that cast, they spent a lot of money on this episode, so they had to squeeze it in. Yeah. Oh, it was, that was a rough watch. I, mm, I'm glad I never have to watch it again. We'll put it that way. And closing out the season was The Murmuring, starring Andrew Lincoln and Essie Davis. Got an IMDb of 6.8 and basically follows this couple of like, bird watchers slash scientific researchers mm-hmm. and turns out that they've their daughter has passed away and it's like them like going to the secluded house to study the birds and then they find out that the people that lived in this house had a similar experience to them and yeah that all starts to impact the the wife and she just kind of loses the plot and it's all about yeah mourning and grief and loss and I was like this is a really cool episode I like this one my favorite one yeah, um, it wasn't my favorite one, and to be fair, I actually just got through watching this because I almost forgot that I had to finish it, <laughs> and <laughs> whoops, I kind of lost track of time. This time change, let me tell you. It had me all kinds of wonky, and I go, oh crap, I forgot to re- watch the rest of it. So I finished it, and it wasn't bad. It was a little bit underwhelming for me, but I really liked the backstory of it and um, her connection with, like, you know, seeing the spirits in the house or whatever and how it affected her mourning, which she didn't even really have, she wasn't expressing, I guess. Um, So I think it kind of just took her out of her shell to mourn, which was nice. It's the most, like, apart from the, like, ghostly apparitions that give you some great jump scares in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's the most, like, grounded one and, like, emotional story because it's, yeah, it's all about she's suppressing her mourning and just putting it off and off and off and it's bubbling up and eventually explodes and she has all these issues and almost like drives a wedge 
that can't be solved between her husband. Yeah. The emotion of it of just like, yeah, when something bad happens, you need to grieve and mourn and go through your emotions before you can move on with your life rather rather than I'm just going to veer off and try and continue life as normal without going through that process. Yeah, it was definitely, um, it was interesting to see the progression too that it had an effect on like the marriage and stuff because, you know, when they're presenting and everything, it looks fine. And then when they get to their research studies and, and stuff like that, you can see where it's really taken a toll on their relationship where they're not even, you know, staying in the same room together anymore and they don't want anything to do with each other after a while. I think that's why I like this one the most because it has it has so much depth in like the emotion and the story, but yeah, it's not necessarily like the creepiest or the scariest of the bunch. Right, yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't bad. It's definitely not bottom, that's for sure. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the two big things we checked out this week. What would be your top recommendation out of these two? I'm going to go with Barbarian because it's not as much of a commitment. Um, it's fun to just throw on on like a Friday night when you're, you know, you just want to have like a movie date night or something like that. I think it's really fun to do and it's only, you know, two hours of your, of your time versus where the series is, you know, it's a commitment for eight hours. And it's super able to miss like. Yeah, it's not constant. At least Barbarian, you know, you're going to get, Barbarian, you'll get two good hours where Cabinet of Curiosities, you might get three good hours and five shit hours. Yeah, I mean, with Curiosities, the only positive is that you don't have to watch all the episodes. You can just skip over to whatever ones sound good to you, I guess. But the trailer doesn't really help it at all because you just get like a, a compilation of all of them in one. So it's kind of yep. misleading at that point because you can't really tell what you want to watch. Yeah, so listen to our podcast and we'll tell you the good ones and you can skip the shit ones. Yeah, best idea. <laughs> don't watch the outside and don't watch the viewing. Yeah. Ugh. Alrighty, thank you everyone for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow Karina on Instagram at Miss Karina Renee and you can follow me on social media at Media and at Pario Magazine. The commentary booth is a fan-funded production of Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.